Go. Good morning, everyone. You 9,000 beautiful people listening from one of the 107 countries that this podcast now reaches. One of those countries is Wales, by the way, which is where our guest is from today. And wow, thanks, everyone. It was always my intention to create a show that everyone can enjoy, regardless of your location, your culture, your interests. Of course, part two is aimed more at the English learner, but the support is astounding and I'm really, really appreciative of it. You might have noticed already that I'm dropping some numbers into this intro, some stats. It's like some kind of self-promotion, but you won't even notice it. You'll be so impressed at those numbers that you'll feel this strange natural impulse just to tell everyone about my podcast, because that's how it works. It's very sneaky. Now, I know when I say football... Many of you will just screw your noses up and think, oh, great, another football show. Stupid sport. 20 people just kicking a football around a field. What's the point? Firstly, there are 22 players. Secondly, I have to defend football as a sport because I have been either playing or coaching since I was nine years old, a wee little boy. And the sport has had such a huge influence on shaping my character as a person. So I will always defend it. There's so much value to football beyond the celebrity entertainment, the ridiculous salaries and the capitalism that it somehow showcases. I'm not a huge fan of those things either, but it's overshadowed by the passion and the social unity and the character building, even the health benefits that football has to offer. That's also a part of football. And when you dive deeper into those thoughts you can find a lot of positive effects from the football world, even if you're not a fan. Yep, you guessed it. It's the Qatar World Cup 2022 preview. And today we're going to talk to my good friend Jack about all of the hype and talking points that make this particular event unique. Before we start, no cheesy adverts today. To be honest, I don't really like doing them. Something I do like, though, is creative people. So if you're listening to this and it's inspiring you to start your own podcast and share your creative thoughts with the world, just use this Buzzsprout platform. I'm saying that, one, because I get a few benefits when you use it. Two, it's just the easiest to use and it distributes your podcast to all of the popular sites. You don't have to market yourself so much. It allows you to focus completely on your creative content which of course is the most fun bit. There's a Buzzsprout link in the podcast notes, which you can use to sign up whenever you're ready to become a podcaster. My advice, just get on with it. If you've got an idea, throw it out there. People will like it. You'll get motivated and then you'll end up like this. Episode, I don't even know what episode. I've done too many. It's too much fun. If you're using this podcast for some intermediate to advanced English learning, why not come and join me in some private one-to-one lessons online? You can take the conversation lessons from your sofa, from your garden, a cafe in the city, the forest, a tropical island. No, 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 no. Don't actually do that because one of my students at the moment is doing that. She appears on the screen with golden sand and a Pacific Ocean behind her with the waves lapping on the shore and sunglasses on and a cocktail in her hand and... It's mildly depressing. Anyway, 
Natural fun English conversation lessons at speaktolee.com. I'm Lee, by the way. Let's go meet Jack and have some interesting football talk. Now, Jack is from Wales, but he has a Manchester accent and he's lived in Manchester for most of his life. The part of Manchester where he lives is not so far from the Welsh border. His accent's still quite strong. If it was Welsh, we'd be in trouble. But his Manchester accent is strong too. It means that you might not catch everything that we say. And that's absolutely fine. The idea of having guests on this show is to let you hear some different dialects in a natural way as you usually would if you were living in the UK. I've told him to speak naturally, to give the most real impression of his Manchester accent. Just be patient if you don't get all of it. In part two, we're going to slow it down, look at some of those more native expressions so that you can understand it and start using it in your everyday life. All right, without further ado, let's go. Hey, there he is. Hello, Jack. Hey, Lee. Long time no see. Long time no see. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. How are you? Yes, I'm right. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this the last few days. Yeah, I thought we have to do a podcast, like a preview to the World Cup. So yeah, thanks for coming back. And let's try and keep this podcast away from the politics, because I think there's Mm -hmm. so much talk about the politics behind this Qatar World Cup that it's tainting the football for a lot of people. I mean, talking from personal perspective it's all about the football for me and and nothing else i'm Mm. trying to trying to ignore all that stuff not because i don't care about it it's just because i feel like they're using it as an opportunity because it's on such a world stage i don't want to do that here i don't want to talk football yeah i no, i fully agree with you yeah 100 give me your feelings towards this world cup in comparison to other world cup events are you hyped up like you normally are how do you feel about it I think intrigued would be the word. Obviously, we've never had a World Cup at Christmas time. Mm. I think the, the schedule so far that they've had has been really busy to cram in the games. But at the same time, they've not played 50, 60, 70 games. And then they're playing the World Cup. So I'm hoping this should be a bit fresher, certainly for the English players. And then uh, that quality, hopefully, should be a bit better as well. It either it works in two ways. It either makes them fresher because they haven't played a whole season or they're exhausted because there is no gap between yeah. the season and the start of the World Cup because usually they get at least like, I don't know, three or four weeks, right? So yeah, I'm also intrigued about that. Mm. How, how is it going to affect them? I think it's hard as well for the coaches. I think the coaches normally have a bit of time to probably get their plans implemented into the training. Whereas mm. as you're saying, they've got about a week to get the players kind of in up to speed with stuff I think it's difficult for them as well then you've got the injury worries as well uh, I know there's been a lot of players around Europe especially where there's been a lot of injuries yeah. last minute because they played last weekend you know yeah um, so any little niggle or like muscle pull or something that they've had last week is going to affect straight away because there is no time to recover at all yeah, yeah. did you see the uh, technology built into the stadium so with the with the like climate control I saw the shape of the roof was like almost curved in a way so that it let in minimal sunlight. Um, and I saw those like yeah. crazy air conditioning units that are like blasting cool air onto the pitch. So it's like 21 degrees on the pitch. Yeah. You know, you don't have those kind of stadiums or facilities over here because you don't need it. I think no. it's nice to see stuff like that. <laughs> I'm interested in this World Cup because of some of the sub stories that could potentially 
grab the headlines. I mean, one that's been there for a long time is that Lionel Messi has his kind of last chance to win the World Cup with Argentina. Of course, I want England to win it, but I'm I'm also a realist. It would be great to watch Messi at, at his age lift the World Cup and then retire. It's great to see those stories in football, isn't it? Definitely. I think there's so many of them, though. I mean, you must do every World Cup you get players obviously having their last one. But I think this year, you look, every single country's got top quality players that will have their last tournament. You know, you've got, say, for Poland, Lewandowski, that'll be his last one. For Portugal, you've got Ronaldo. Uh, for France, you know, you've got Griezmann and Pogba. And I'm not, not saying Griezmann and Pogba are the same level anywhere near as Messi, but they've been massive players for France over the years. And I think this will be their last main one. Um, you know, even for England, you probably. Harry Kane possibly has got one more in him, possibly. But when he plays his next one, he's certainly been nowhere near the quality he is now. So I, I agree. I think so many countries have players that want to prove a point. And I think that's why he loved the World Cup, because mm. that's where the matchup happens. You've got players wanting to try the absolute best to finish on that high. You know, you go back to that Ronaldo interview that he's done with Piers Morgan uh, that's come out this week. Mm. You know, and he's saying if Portugal win the World Cup, that's probably him going to retire after then. And, you know, I think that is what makes it so exciting for the football fans. You want the players to be trying their hardest and those magical moments that will live on in history to come through. And there was a quote that he came out um, with an interview I thought was brilliant and it's so true. Um, there's no one more dangerous than the man who's lost it all. And obviously, in this situation, as you're saying, Ronaldo, he is without a club. He's got everything to prove at the minute to everyone to show he's not finished. Everyone's writing him off. Um, and time and time again, Whenever he's had pressure in his career, he's delivered. Mm. You know, he's won well, Ballon d'Or five times, won the Champions League for Madrid, um, you know, five times. What a player, what a career yeah. he's had. And I just think everything's written for him. You know, you can see it now, Argentina versus Portugal in the final. Do you wish the original Ronaldo was in the World Cup? Though? Yeah, That'd what a nice. player he was as well. Yeah, Fat Ronaldo, what a guy. Is that his name now? Fat Ronaldo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, that Ronaldo, how, yeah. is that how we distinguish between them? Like Fat Ronaldo and Pretty Ronaldo. CR7. Yeah. yeah, that way. yeah. <laughs> I still wouldn't like to defend against him today. Him against Harry Maguire. What do you know that will be? Yeah, I know. I, I think uh, Harry Maguire would struggle, actually. Yeah. Oh, have you got a nickname for Harry Maguire or not? I just, I, I call him Blockhead most of the time. Yeah. Slabhead is mine. <laughs> Slabhead. Oh, they're very similar. Yeah. We've gone for the same. Same thing. Sometimes a fifty p head that works as well. Yeah, I think I think he'll play well if I'm honest, because England will play mostly three at the back mm. or five at the back. However you want to kind of say it, um, I think that's where it suits him. He'll have pace around him. Like with Kyle Walker, obviously like you're a retriever, so the ball goes past Kyle Walker, gets just sprint and gets it. But I think the three at the back will suit him. I think it'll make him look a lot better than he has done for United. Retriever is an interesting word for Kyle Walker, isn't it? He mm. does resemble. A retriever, as in a dog. As in the dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? If I had to, which would be weird, if I had to choose a dog for Kyle Walker, I would choose a retriever. <laughs> I don't know what situation you're in when when it's your job to choose a dog for Kyle Walker. I'm not sure how that comes about. Dogs for players. Is that, is yeah. that your podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you started off strong, to be fair. Retriever, Kyle Walker, done. Uh, which dog would you choose for Ronaldo? Oh, well, I reckon he got two. So in his younger days, Greyhound, absolute bombing down and then performing. <laughs> what about now? A dying Labrador? Yeah. <laughs> A dying yeah. Labrador with like extreme uh, arthritis. 
that would be a great podcast to be fair you should do that <laughs> let's go into the Wales and England thing again we know the rivalry we talked about that before but let's talk about Wales from a history point of view the England fans will always let you know about 1966 and that will just be a, a running commentary in anything related to English football but not a lot of people know about how long it's been actually since Wales were in the World Cup. I believe it was 1958. Mm, yeah, yeah, 58. Give me your rundown on this for, as a Welshman to what it means to Wales as a nation. Yeah, everything really. Um, yeah, we've only been in three major tournaments really. And obviously two of those are in recent years. So you can see we've waited a long, long time to get to this stage now where we've got, you know, the Euros in 2016, uh, now the World Cup here. Mm. Um Although I've got a fact for you. I've done my research. Yeah, well done. Um, Wales are only one of two teams to have a 100% record of getting out of the group stage. 100% record? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. World Cup and the Euros. Oh, really? How many tournaments? Three. Well, yeah, you didn't need to point that one out, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not we're, we're not talking about like 40 games or anything, are we? We're talking no, no, no. <laughs> Only the three. <laughs> Moving on very quickly. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with statements when the data is so slim. <laughs> uh, I've been scuba diving and I've got a 100% record of seeing a turtle. Have you really? Yeah. yeah. Got it how many times? Once I went. Once, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you happy with the Welsh squad? I am. It's a, it's a funny one. We've We've got some really good bright young players coming through actually we've got a mm. decent squad forming um the only sad point is obviously this will be bale's last world cup yeah. uh probably last major tournament for us and he's an absolute monster isn't he really um for so long we've been a one-man team because of him and he is you know if we're going to get out of this group stage it will be still down to bale if we were to have this squad say 10 years ago with bale in his prime honestly we'll be dark horses i think to win i think we've got some really good players coming through I think for us, if we can get out of the group stage, I think that's going to be success, really. Let's go through the group games quickly. Like America, worried about them or not? They've got some good players, actually. They have got some good players coming through. Um, again, they've got a young squad, lots of energy, lots of pace as well. What about Iran? Any chance or not? No, no. Yeah, we can move on from that one, I think. I, don't, I can't see Iran getting any points, if I'm honest. Underdogs for the tournament? Yeah, that's a good one. I think there's there's a couple. Denmark, I think, are going to get out of the group. They've got some good players actually coming through. Um, good shout, And again, yeah. you've got er Ericsson. And it'd be so good after what happened to Ericsson uh, last time at the US to see him come back into the World Cup is absolutely incredible. You know, it's yeah. full credit to him and, you know, all of the doctors and everything that helped on that side of things. It's amazing to see him. I think I think they'll get out of the group states fine. And, and from there on, you never know. Um, one I do want to say, though, because, you know, I well, personally, I don't really associate Canada with football it's more like ice hockey and things sure. but actually Canada have got some good players you've got like Alfonso Davis uh, Jonathan David up front you've got some really good players for Canada I, I mean I don't think they're going to win it but I think Canada will go a bit further than people possibly suspect I'm going to go for an, an African team as a potential upsetter one because of the conditions actually because of the climate um I may be used to playing in that warmer climate, but I would say Ghana and Senegal, I think there's a, a chance that they could upset a few teams. Yeah. Anytime that England have played um, an African nation, I've always been a bit worried about it. Like the the style of football is so different and I wouldn't like to meet Senegal in the in the next round. No, 
no. And, and the passion as well, the passion of the fans uh, from every country that I've ever watched from Africa is phenomenal. And, you know, it's that 12th man, you know, driving the team forward as well when they need that goal. You know, I, I agree. I think the country from Africa definitely could surprise everyone. Yeah, last one. Then let's go for straight up predictions. Who's in the final? Who's good enough to win it? Who's going to utilise mm-hmm. their star players? Who's going to deal with the pressure here? For me, I've got to say Argentina, if I had to put it onto one team. From every position, they've got top quality players. And I just think it's all written for Messi as well to write his name in, in the history book to get that World Cup. I, th- I think that's the thing that maybe England lack a little bit because the players are playing in the same country in the, in the league. I think it's a lot better now, but there's not always as much camaraderie. I think because they're, they're closer together, where say for Argentina, a lot of the players play in lots of different leagues. And when they come back together, it's like a proper family reunion sort of feel. You can see it with them, you know, same for quite a few South American countries. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're with the majority there. I've heard Argentina mentioned a lot. I'm, I'm just going to be as, uh, as cliche as possible and go with this very unrealistic hope that, that most English fans have and just say, we're going to win it. <laughs> don't, don't just laugh in my face. That wasn't even a comedy moment. <laughs> Trying to be sincere uh, there. I, I, I think I was oozing with uh, with dishonesty. If I said Wales, you would have fallen off your chair laughing. <laughs> I go with uh, Argentina or Portugal. Yeah. Three strong teams. Um, mm. Guaranteed one of them is in the final. Mm. Thanks for coming on, Jack. Good to hear some predictions. Looking forward to it. Um, and I'm sure we'll be messaging throughout. 100%. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, mate. See you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Oh, that was nice. It's always nice to speak to Jack. We actually taught together at a school here in Finland back when he was in teacher training, but we stayed in touch and we usually throw a lot of banter at each other about who's better at football and who has the most ginger hair. Gingerist hair. I don't think gingerist is a word, actually. But today, I'm feeling a bit Shakespearean, so I'll just create my own words. Gingerist is fine. For the record, Jack does. I'll be engrossed in the England match today, so no one can talk to me for at least 90 minutes. And I hope you're all finding ways to enjoy the World Cup without letting the political views cloud your excitement. It's supposed to be about football. We're going to head over to part two now and discuss the language used in that little conversation. As always, you'll have to trust me to pick out what I consider to be more native language, and by that I mean idioms, slang, expressions, and the things you don't often hear outside of English-speaking countries. Pick out the ones that are the most relevant to you personally, and start using them in your everyday conversation. Lucky for me, this podcast can go on forever since there are always new words to learn, even for me. Here we go. Here's part two. Are you hyped up like you normally are? Or how do you feel about it? Hype up. Hype up is a phrasal verb, which means to get someone very excited about something. Often this happens when there's an audience looking forward to an event starting, for example. Think about the way the media outlets hype up the World Cup making you very excited about it. I used this phrasal verb a little differently and included the verb to be, so it becomes to be hyped up. It's the same meaning, but now I'm describing the state of someone's feelings. 
Are you feeling hyped up? Basically, are you feeling the excitement from all the hype created by the media? Just remember that when you use to be, it's to tell or describe the condition of something. It can be a person, a place, an idea or a thing. Here's another example. Take the sentence, you love. We all know what this means. But if you add the verb to be and it becomes you are loved, now we are describing a condition or a state. You are loved. And you are loved. Oh, I think I'm going to cry. So any little niggle or like muscle pull or something that they've had. Niggle. Niggle. The official definition is a trivial discomfort or annoyance. But let's look at this in the context of sports injuries. You can break a bone. That's a really bad injury. You can pull a muscle. That can also be quite serious. You can take a knock, which usually causes some bruising. Or you can just have a niggle. It's not really an injury, but it's something you can feel ever so slightly that might actually affect your performance. That annoying little pain in your knee when you're running or a tight muscle which you feel every time you jump. These are called niggles. And they are very common for regular sports lovers, especially as you get older. Trust me. Um, and time and time again, whenever he's had pressure in his career, he's delivered. 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 What do you mean Ronaldo always delivers? Delivers what? Is he the real Santa Claus delivering presents to children? Does he work for Parcel Force? No, the expression is a short version of deliver the goods. When we say Ronaldo always delivers, we mean he's reliable. He never lets us down. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. Ironically, delivery services are probably the most complained about service in the whole world. They're rubbish at delivering. This is a true story. There was a postman who delivered a postcard to my granddad a couple of weeks ago. And I sent that postcard from Florida when I went on holiday there. And do you know how long ago I went on holiday there? Go on, guess. 2001. Honestly, true story. It took 21 years to get to him. Maybe I should have got Ronaldo to deliver it. He does resemble a retriever, as in a dog. As in a dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? Okay, this time, I want you to pay attention to the words right at the end of the clip. Here it is again. He mm. does resemble a retriever, as in a dog. As in a dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? What I actually said is, doesn't he? It's called a question tag. A question tag usually puts emphasis on the statement. I'll give you another example. He's a great player, isn't he? It's not completely necessary to say, isn't he? Unless I want the person I'm talking to to really get my point. So I put emphasis on it. But why did I say it so strangely? Because doesn't he, in my dialect, becomes dunny. It's a Devonshire dialect from the southwest of England. And it's very common to add these question tags at the end of a statement. Dunny. Doesn't he? Inny. Isn't he? It's these small details in sentences that are most commonly adapted to fit the local dialects. So in Devon, you would say, he's a good player, isn't he? In London, you might say, he's a good player, ain't he? And in Yorkshire, they might say, he's a good player, isn't he? So you should really look out for these next time you're in England or listening to some British TV show or something. Absolute bombing down. Bombing down. Bombing down. Jack meant bombing down the line or the side of the pitch. So if Ronaldo is bombing down the line, 
It does not mean he is dropping bombs from a military aircraft. It means he's running very fast. Another example, I saw a guy bombing down the road on a skateboard. It means he was travelling as fast as bombs fall from the sky. Pretty fast. I would say Ghana and Senegal. I think there's a, a chance that they could upset a few teams, yeah. Upset. Upset. Well, we all know the verb to upset someone. It means to make someone sad or unhappy. But this works in football too. It's a little clearer when we learn the noun an upset. If a team causes an upset, they win a game that they're not expected to win. Usually they're the underdogs. Therefore, the other team would be much sadder than normal because they were expected to win the game. This is called an upset. Another example, the lowest ranking tennis player beat the favourite for the tournament and caused a massive upset at the US Open. You know, it's that 12th man, you know, driving the team forward as well. The 12th man. The 12th man. This is a sports term for any sport that involves an 11-sided team. So the 12th man refers to the crowd or fans watching the game. When they cheer on and support their team with songs and encouragement, it motivates the team and it can even change the outcome of a game. So we refer to the crowd as an extra player, the 12th man. And when you consider there are close to 100,000 people watching some of those football matches, you can imagine the impact that that support actually has. I think I was oozing with uh, dishonesty. <laughs> oozing. Oozing. It's fun to say. I'll, I'll do it again. Oozing. This word actually sounds a bit disgusting, and it can be. The verb is to ooze, and usually we say that something is oozing out of or oozing from a particular place. Oozing is when a fluid or liquid is leaking or trickling out. For example, there was blood oozing from the wound on his head. But I mentioned it more as a metaphor. I said, I was oozing dishonesty. It means that it was impossible to not notice the dishonesty in my sentence, as if you could see it leaking from my mouth. It's quite a graphic way to explain it, but creates a really strong sentence. Here's another example for you. She was oozing in confidence. And there you have it. Another podcast done and dusted. If you enjoyed this, rate it, review it, share it with everyone you know. It takes a few hours to create this, actually, edit and publish the episode. So if you do want to buy me a coffee through patreon.com, I'll love you forever and maybe even mention you in the podcast. Depends how many coffees I get. There's a link in the notes to patreon.com and I'll be very grateful. One last thing that I find funny about football fans is no matter where you're from, when you shout out from the crowd to the players on the pitch, for some reason, people put on this like deep, manly London accent for some reason, even if you're not from London. So um, so I'll give you a little taste of that. See you next time, everyone. Come on, England. Come on, England. Just ridiculous.